With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. Uh, we have some things to discuss. Uh, some interesting games in the NHL last night. Uh, but we'll start with the pre-show. Go ahead, Russ. Yeah, so one of my uh, childhood heroes died. Willis Reed, a lot of players. A lot of people know him. He... Um, He's known for the 1970 finals where he came out injured with his, he had bad knees. He had his knee wrapped and he came out and he had to go up against Will Chamberlain. I think he only played like eight minutes, scored like four or six points, but he wasn't supposed to play. He scored the first two baskets. Right. That's right. And and he wasn't supposed to play, but he did. Right. And so like it, it is still carried on into even the 21st century because like when Stamkos played in the Stanley cup, they said he was kind of doing a Willis Reed. And so, it's nice. But the thing is, the, what I want to really highlight is um, he did a lot on and off the court. But this guy was a six foot ten guy in an era where the big guys were starting to come in. He had to play against Russell. He had to play against Chamberlain. He had to play against Jabbar. Uh, you know, so it's like at six foot ten, he was at a disadvantage. But he figured out um, how to, you know, muscle himself into the uh, into the paint and how to push guys back when he was playing defense. Because back then you could actually touch a player. Um, I know it's a different game now. Um, so, you know, he mastered that. He figured out how to do a little bit of a hook shot at times, not like Jabbar, but just enough that, you know, he wouldn't get blocked. But his thing was big rebounds, playing under the boards, like a center used to. And so, you know, I was sad because that's what got me into basketball. I saw the both Knicks championships. Uh, I liked the 73 team better because I was a big Earl Monroe fan. I used to do the spin move in my backyard on the hoop. Um, but Sadly, with the Knicks, and the reason I had to give them up for my mental health is they haven't won since I was 10 years old. Right. And I couldn't have another team like the Jets in my life. So I had chose the Jets over the Knicks. So, but I still stand Kev, that close read. Well. Kev, somebody made an interesting point because I was listening to New York radio yesterday and they were talking a lot about Willis Reed and they had Marv Albert on the on the broadcast. And um they somebody made the point, and I think it's pretty apt, is that would you know, and I think it was a broken leg, Russ. I think he had a broken leg. It was a, uh, and he played on it. They shot him up, and he played on I mean, it. It's a Reed was a knee, but it, either way, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I don't think it was a broken leg. No, okay. I think it was a bad knee. Maybe In I'm those days, with a bad but, knee, they couldn't do much for you. But but the point I'm making is is that nowadays, the medical staff of these teams would not allow a player to play on a leg like Willis Reed did or like Bob Bond did in 1964 on a broken leg or Stamkos or whatever, that they wouldn't allow it because, you know, these players are worth so much and their future is worth so much. I mean, I, I, that might be, I mean, maybe that is gone, sort of gone by the wayside in professional sports that players are allowed to play like that. Well, I'm a little less sure about that than you are. Um, I mean, I, I do think, they do try to be a lot more careful than they were back then. But, you know, players oftentimes sort of push the envelope themselves. And Yeah, who was the wide receiver for the Patriots that was clearly concussed that went right back into the game? Yeah. And, you know, we've had uh, issues with players uh, fighting the concussion issue all the time uh, in the <laughs> NHL. Um, and um, yeah, But what I want to say about Willis Reed, just to amplify what Russ said, you know, what he did has become the standard for inspirational performances. Like, yeah. and, you know, beyond even Stamkos, uh, you know, every time somebody does that, they make reference to. Um, and, you know, I remember watching that game. It was on, it was an afternoon game on like a Sunday afternoon. And, you know, he came out and, as Russ said, played very few minutes, but it was all, all the uh, Knicks needed. You know, yeah. he came out and, and and hobbled, I mean, literally hobbled uh, up and down the court. Um, and that just sort of became kind of a symbol that now we use that as a as a standard. And, you know, that was a long time ago. Like, uh, um, 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, 52 years ago, and yet we're still sort of talking about, you know, that. So, I mean, that's a guy who's left his mark um, just for that alone. And and he was much more than that, as, as Russ said. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, and uh, um, Russ, uh, Spike Lee was on uh, Michael Kay's show yesterday, and he was, uh, you know, regaling about because apparently he was at that game in 1970. He was like 13 years old, and he was at the game. That's what Spike um, Lee's older than me. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nobody's older than you, Russ. You're the oldest person in the world. I know one other person on this panel. No, anyhow. Uh, Kevin's younger than you. Uh, but. <laughs> At least an attitude he is, but he was talking. He was talking about Al Howell, and we, we can relate this to music, and we can relate this to to our to the sport our sports heroes. It's like you know we're like I'm in I'm 55, and you know all of our heroes are are dying. Like it's like it, you know I mean Bill Russell died now now obviously Willis Reed died. Uh, Spike Lee was telling us uh, telling the audience that Willie Mays is uh, is not doing well right now and you know there's one of the greatest baseball players of all time it's just the reality of life but you know the all the people that we idolize as as kids whether it be sports or music are going and it's really it's really depressing it's really sad well it is and um i think one of the issues is is that the romance of the game that was alive and well in the 67 and into the 80s uh, has given way to um, big business sports. Um, and um, I also think there's so much information available about each player that we've sort of lost the mystique of the sport. Like, we know way too much about every athlete. Um, that, you know, when I was a kid, it was a mystery. Uh, you know, I, I've often talked about this, that, you know, when you played uh, the Tigers in 1968, um, played the Cardinals. We knew nothing about the Cardinals. Like it was just as if they played on Mars. You know, the only thing that was good, Kev, like you got box scores, but if you were at the ball game and you scored the game, then they would have like, you know, things, little tidbits about the other league. And you would get. Yeah. Something. And you and you could see the starting pitchers. They had right. the little numeric yes. rosters of. of so LBA. I would learn from that. Yeah. Well, you, you would, and you and the sporting news. I mean, that was the Bible. I mean, yeah. you, you could get in and fielding averages and like I you know, it, I'm amused now by about all the analysis we get and the um you know fancy stats and you know uh, the coach in Detroit always talks about the quote underlying numbers, which I really like. I think that's the best way because it, it it adds a layer of mystique to them, you know. Well, like what are the underlying numbers, you know? So Joe, I'll give you an example of uh, how I would deem myself a prehistoric analytics nerd because when I was 12 years old, and this would be 1979, and I was playing Stratomatic hockey, I would I sent a letter to the NHL offices in New York asking for the statistics the at the end of the year because I missed the hockey news at the the last the, the last. Uh, um, at the end of the year that had all the regular season stats. So about four weeks later, I get a letter, I get an envelope that's this thick and it has the breakdown of every one of the teams, including shooting percentage, shots on goal. I mean, it was like Christmas. I got that. So, it's like, but now that's- You know who probably sent that to you, Mike? <laughs> oh. Kevin and my buddy, Steve. Yeah, Steve Cherendoff yeah. was- That was his job. Um, yeah. that, well, what year was that? 79. Uh, no, just a little early. Not much. That's what he did. I mean, he's the guy who invented, basically invented. It was, it was his job to, to put those stat packages together, people who wanted them. And he also yeah. was the one who kind of invented, like, the media guide concept that we see, you know, at games. Um, yeah. I've seen some of his old ones. It's hilarious. I mean, he showed me some, some of his old. I wish, uh, I, kept it. I wish I had it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, he, that was definitely what he did for people, like, because there were other people like you, other crazies out there that wanted to know the stats. And, you know, he was the one who came up with them. Yeah. Up. When we would run the stats, even at USA Today in the 80s and into the 90s, um, like we didn't run them. Like, you know, we just had not enough space because we used to run them weekly. Um, we would, the phones would ring off the hook. Like yeah. people would just go nuts on that because they wow. used it for um, their fantasy hockey. And, you know, that yeah. was kind of the, the weekly thing. And, you know, some weeks we just didn't have the space for it. So, yeah. Just to answer Chris from Long Island, I think I did wait at the Stratomatic office once. 
for um, for them to open to get the New Year's set. But most of the time, because I lived on the island, you would get it in two days. Yeah, yeah you would get it in the mail in two days. Glenhead, New York, I believe me, many a dollar of mine has gone. Oh yeah, yeah, same here. New York. The um, I did have to bring up just because I started to say this, and then my internet went out. But uh, 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 and I wasn't the only one. Uh, I kind of walked into the Otani Trout confrontation like like that that was a wow factor on that that was like unbelievable and uh is amazing I, people are going to talk about that like even if you didn't pay any attention to the wsbc uh that was incredible because it's two i did teammates. see that that was worthy yeah no. yeah i mean two teammates like imagine the discussion what that's going to be like because obviously they didn't say anything after it happened so there is going to be a discussion about that and what, what you know the confrontation w was so um, fascinating that one thing that was overlooked is how much Otani's pitch broke. Yeah. Like that, that was like unbelievable how it moved. Um, and you know, talking about delivering uh, in a big moment like that, that, that was just such a phenomenal thing. And um, well, of course, know, what sports is about. So, of course, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the wet blanket on this, Joe, because I said that marks the only time that two Angels players will play for anything of consequence. Yeah, I I did love that. Uh, Trout said it's you know it's the most fun he's had in ten years, which I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're wrong, buddy. You're not wrong, but, but you know it's well, I, a I great moment. It's so cool. It was so cool, and I I'm sure you, uh, Mike saw this, and of course he I'm sure he agreed with it. But Mike Trout is already committed to the next one, saying, you know, this was just so great, and. You know, if we're, in order to get all the North Americans uh, on board, but in particular the Americans, obviously, you need to uh, um, have players like Trout just yeah. you know, say, come on aboard, you know, and, and do it. Um, and, you know, we have the same problem in hockey. You can't get players to play in the world. Right. Game, you know? I would, I would yeah. love if they would just not do it in spring training. Oh, me too. <laughs> I, yeah. I want them to do it like World Championships does it with hockey. Like, yeah. just do it at the season's over. Regular season and go for it. Because every other yeah. international league season, well, I mean, Japan, Japan will be over. Mexico yeah. might still be going on. Dominican, all that stuff. But, uh, but like all the, I mean, it's almost exclusively Major League Baseball guys. So just yeah. do, it, do it after the season's yeah. over. It's easy. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. Right. Try to keep my dog from attacking a fox. There's a, there's the foxes outside right now. My dog's going nuts. Um, I I barred him in, I barred her in, so she can't get to the foxes. But the foxes are just sitting on the other side of the bench, just looking at her. Hilarious. <laughs> standing there, they're just looking at her. And she doesn't have anything to do with a fox. I mean, she's gonna get destroyed by a fox. Nope. So leave her alone. You know. All right, here we go. Ready? I'm here. All right. <laughs> The Hockey World is Wednesday, March 22nd. So it'd be 322 23. 322 23 is the date. 32223. Hey, yeah, there we go. That's a palindrome date. Good, Mike. <laughs> I'm Michael Agello, and I was just waiting for Eck to shut up. <laughs> oh, I'm Joe Yurton. I'm with Bleacher Report and Noted Hockey. Hello. Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Name me the starting pitcher from last night's game for Team USA. I'm Kevin Allen, and I can't do it. <laughs> Merrill, nothing says a championship game like Merrill Kelly. Adam Eklund, you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast where everyone just sits and waits for Eck to shut up. And we come to you every Monday through Friday um, to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And I want to uh, – last night, I've been I've been tallying my Buzztron 10,000. Well, I, I downgraded to the Buzztron 9,500 today because it – um for the first time all season, it was – it, it had a losing night more than just the one. Like the other two losses were it went two and three twice, two and three twice. But last night it goes four and eight. Um, and last night that was though that was the you know out of eighteen of eighteen nights it's only not, it's only led three losing nights, which is still pretty good. But four and eight last night was very consequential, and the way it went four and eight was even more interesting because um, Mike the Islanders, it's not over. <laughs> it's not over for the Islanders. Sorry. No, I mean, not. I Really well, talk about the Islanders. The Islanders I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. If the Islanders played Toronto 82 times, then it wouldn't be over. But yeah, because because yeah. honestly, it's like, and this is this is my concern. And you know, I'm yeah. not, I'll just briefly. I'll turn raise it. my hand. I'm concerned about the Leafs. I'm just briefly. I'll briefly turn yeah. it into a Toronto take, but then go to an Islanders take. Mm -hmm. um, Toronto over the last week and a half have shown three times 
once against Buffalo, a team that had no how to do nothing but lose lately. Right. Uh, one to Ottawa, who is a uh, really good young offensive team, but defensively are not very good still. And last night against the Islanders, long gaps of just going absolutely comatose. But the Buffalo and Ottawa games in the third period with the game on the line here in the first period after Sorokin makes an absolutely incredible paddle save on Eric Gustafson. Yeah. The Leafs essentially crumbled against the team who not only was without Matt Barzell, who's their best offensive player, Brock Nelson gets knocked out probably with a concussion in the first period, and they get beat by Cal Clutterbuck and Hudson Fashing. This and it's is how the Islanders do it, Mike. Last night was the classic. No, it was more of a Leaf loss than it was an Islander it, victory. The Islanders make it always look like it's more of a year loss than an Islanders victory, though. They do. They're good at that. When the Islanders are playing their best, they get ahead of you. And when they get ahead of you, you're screwed because if you play, if you try to play, if you try to break open up things against the Islanders, that's when they, that's when they're at their best. They just, they will make, they will frustrate the living daylight out of you and make you look terrible every time. And um, they haven't been able to get ahead enough this year to be able to play this game. But watching it last night, I'm like, there is it, there it is. There's, there's, well, that's how, that's how bad the performance was last night. It was, uh, Kevin, the Islanders scored seven goals. The only time they'd scored seven this year was against Anaheim, who's arguably the worst defensive team. Yeah, in. yeah, they actually Toronto's not one of the worst defensive teams, but they played like it last night. No, no. Actually, when I looked up after the game, I was surprised that Toronto was only ninth in scoring in the NHL this season. But mm-hmm. anyway, I, I got to bring this up. Uh, John, who I don't think is John, the real estate novelist from the Billy Joel song, but <laughs> John, John is my um, is guy who writes right about our. Um, uh, about Mike uh, and going after Mike, and he he got on me for letting you off the hook. <laughs> said that you said it says yeah I know you're you're Mr. Profit, and as he pointed out, he said he said Kevin you are far from Mr. Profit because you make it a point to say that you know you're never sure what's going to happen in sports, and you know that's your, your whole side. And yeah. he said you know what you said at the time was when Mike said. Well, they're out because they can't score. And you said, yeah, I don't know. I, I you know, I think they're goaltending. Like, I think they got a shot. And yeah. and that is true. So I did not predict that, um, and nor do I regularly is say that, uh, you know, like they're either in or they're out. But I, I thought they had a chance because I really liked, you know, like their goaltending. And you said on the other, as he pointed out, and he actually said to me, you give Russ a hard time about declarative statements. He said, but Mike is far worse. Thank you, John. Mike always acts as if he's always got it figured out, especially with the Maple Leafs. Yes, for sure. That's that's because I do. Uh, But, but (laughs) Joe, I mean, Joe, let me me say this. The Islanders have a one-up on Pittsburgh and on Florida in the battle for the wild card because they have Sorokin. And Sorokin, that save that he made on Gustafson yesterday turned the game around. It was 1-0 Toronto, would have been 2-0. The Islanders score early in the second, get three goals in the second, and then when the Leafs climb to within a goal, they respond quickly, and they win uh, running away. Um, Sorokin was was the reason. The, the Leafs got frustrated, and he's going to play the majority of the games down the stretch. Um, but offense is going to be a factor with them. And if Nelson is out for a lengthy period without Barzell and without Nelson, they're, I still think they're in trouble. Yeah, it, it, it's it's funny. And I'm going to cite Don Granato, which I know I, I get. It's it's probably not probably not the you know the best guy to be pointing out to for for wisdom. But he said, you know, defense is great, goaltending's nice, but but the goals are what's going to win you the games. And the Islanders struggle at that in a big way. And I mean, yes, Sorokin can be the difference if it's a you know, if you're talking a one goal game. Yeah, of course he's gonna be the difference. He's great. But at the same point, if you can't put any goals past the other goalie, you know, you're you're looking to, to have a rock fight every game. And, and I, mean, I think the Islanders would be pretty happy with that, honestly. But um but yeah. I don't. I don't know. It's it's so tough for me to, to to look at what the Isles do offensively and think like, yeah, no, they've they've got it. I mean, yeah. you know, Sorokin's been great, but man, oh man, I, I look at what Bobrovsky's been doing since like February. He's a nine, he's like a nine fifteen goalie. Florida's already scored a ton of goals. Like nine fifteen is plenty good enough to win you games. You know, Sorokin's nine twenty six in the same time, but the Isles don't score. So the only thing I'll say is, and I'll still say Florida will make the playoffs, but. Um, something that we all have 
worried about. I mean, you see it live. Florida's defense is really loose, man. It's it really is. loose. It, it is. is. It, it is. is. They score a ton. <laughs> they score a ton. It's they really am. They really are like they're they're a defense off of the team through and through. With that depends on a super game from you know from Bobrovsky or you know and or outscoring the opponent. So here's the current updated standings, guys. And so it's interesting. The um, shoot them up right now. There you go. So uh, this is as of today. So what's interesting here is though, so Florida and the Islanders right now, the wild card and bubble. You can see they have identical records um, based on this. The identical projected projected records right now. Um, the ROW for the Islanders. Currently, it would be, would give them the would give them the would there one one more ROW that's the tiebreaker, right? But oh. but if the um but but if this thing plays out like it predicts to play out, the Florida Panthers would actually end up with one more ROW. <laughs> so um it ends up so that's why this is this is so tight right now between these two teams. Well, well it, let me let me bring this up because this was a this was a talking point in our in our group uh, chat uh, last night because. Uh, Russ was at the Flyers Florida game and the and the Panthers were playing second of back-to-back games and they were playing Alex Lyon, former Flyers uh, minor league uh, goaltender. Um, And of course, Lyon did not play well and uh, the Flyers won the game. But during the game, Russ was destroying the Panthers because they played Lyon. And I'm like, not for the whole game. I destroyed them. When it was four to two, there was like two minutes to go in the third in the second period. I was like, take out Lion, put in Bob. And I was like, because you can't just let this game fritter away. I don't care how many games Bob has played in a row. He's had two periods off here. Good enough. And they didn't do it. And the Flyers literally scored their fifth goal 30 seconds later. And I was like, if they could have gotten out of that period four two with the offense they have. They could have managed to maybe get a point out of that game, and they didn't. They just let Lyon stay in, and Lyon just gave up that next goal. Like it was such an awful goal from a goalie perspective. I don't know if you saw it, Eck. I saw it. So Lyon, for some reason, with Provorov coming in on him, was protecting the far post. He was leaning that way. That would be an impossible shot. And then when Provorov just made a little move to go the other way, Lyon tried to shift, and he falls down. He flops because. He can't do it because he was spending so much time holding the other post. And it's like, what are you doing? That's the far post. He can't make that shot. Yeah, but Kevin, it bringing in bringing in Bobrovsky. Oh, let, let, let that comment because it's a goal. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely true. Um, but you know, it, I don't know what he. I think he was out thinking himself. Like he's a very smart kid, but he also mm-hmm. does some tend to like overthink himself. I think he was overfired up for the game too. Like I felt like mm-hmm. that, you know, when I watched him because obviously he wanted to do well. He's a good goalie. He's not a terror. I, I do think he's got backup goalie potential in the NHL. I really, I've always have thought that. Um, last night wasn't the night to see that, obviously, but um, I like him a lot. Um, I know. Kind of interesting about him playing for the Panthers is he is he is represented by or was actually rep, was actually signed by Bill Zito as an agent. Like the, one of the last players he signed as an agent before he became uh, the GM, and uh, he's still represented by Acme Sports Management, which is which is Zito's former company. Um, of course, he has no connection with that at all anymore. He had to completely, you know, disembowel everything from that. But Is um, Coyote with that company too? Yeah, Acme. Yeah, they are. They are. So is Pinky in the Brain. Yep, all those guys are definitely for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, that that was to me that was interesting because you know when I saw him play last night, I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good idea. Like to go if you're going to go with him in that situation against the next team, you know. Go well, with him. Left him in when it was four two. That's my question. Yeah, right. in four goals in the second period, you gotta. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's like rest. Well, the whole point of playing Lion was to give Bobrovsky, who had played, I think, 11 or 12 Doesn't games. Doesn't matter. He had a, almost two periods off. I don't care. I have to make the playoffs. Uh, I mean, but, I'll I worry mean, about Bob later. He's a big boy. I got to make the playoffs. Well, Kev, I mean, the, the, their concern is everything in terms of their playoff hopes right now rest on Bobrovsky because Spencer Knight is not going to be back for yeah. this year. They have to. They had to find a way to give him a night off. Lyon had not played in the NHL in two months. They sent him yeah. down to the AHL to get a game or two to get sharp for the game, and apparently he wasn't sharp. But they had to play him, and why take him? Why take him out? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll check when I when I'm done talking here. But um, I think when I looked this morning, the the 
uh, Panthers are still considered the favorite to win the first wild card, just in terms of their you know, strength yeah. schedule, home and away, well, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, see what your thing says. My thing has them as, as, as to win the second wild card right now, but um, yeah, but barely, but absolutely barely. You know, like, and it, it's a it's a it's a dead heat between them and the Islanders. And my thing, I still have the Penguins in the first wild card, even though I know they've struggled. Yeah, the Penguins actually have fallen in terms of percentage um, yeah. just on the fact that they're struggling so mightily. But, you know, one thing, I, I don't think we're giving the Islanders enough credit. Um, right. I, and I just did the math and looked it up. For the last 15 games, the Islanders have averaged 3.4 goals per game, which coincidentally is exactly what the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs are averaging for the entire season, <laughs> so 3.4 per game. And Barzell's coming back. And I saw somewhere – um, hopefully there's some Islanders fans that think that the scoring rate for the Islanders has either gone up or has been consistent since um, Barzil uh, became injured, and he is coming back. So they yeah, have. That is true. I, I saw that too, Kev. But yeah. Then, um, then you know, I know people are going to say keep Barzil out because I was already seeing those ridiculous tweets. Uh, yeah, I mean that. You know, a lot of that is the fact that Horvat, you know, has gotten you know, it sort of replaced Barzil and, you know, he was sort of trying to assimilate uh, when he went down. So, so, and the other thing, you know, and the other other thing, there's only one other team that's down there um, in terms of scoring numbers that we consider. And and we like this team. I think we all do. And that's the Minnesota wild. Yeah. And yet we never talk about never, at least not very often about how, you know, how difficult it is for them to score goals. Um, yeah, um, we just as a general rule, and I like the Islanders goaltender better than goaltending better than Minnesota's. Now oh, that doesn't yeah. mean I don't like Minnesota's. It just means yeah. you know I just I think would agree. they have better goaltending. It's slightly better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, you know, and the Wild did win last night against New Jersey, which is one of my best John's predictions. That was one of them that got right. But um, yeah. but there were but some it, crazy crazy games last night, obviously. And I think that at the end of the day, you know. Um, the yeah, Islanders put themselves in a much better spot last night. They really did. That was a huge win. And now, you know, no, it's interesting. There's no, there's no way around it. I yeah. Mean, and um, and no Florida. Would be against them, but it is a big win. Florida losing yeah. to Philly is a very big thing, too, because that really is not what we want. You know, that really was a game that you know that they have penciled into the win column. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but they're all big now, don't you think, at this oh, yeah, point? Yeah, they're they're all big. I was in the Florida room. They weren't phased by it. Like they're just like, you know, Reinhardt was basically just like next game. We'll be fine. We were just a little slow tonight. And maybe they were, they were playing back to back. Maybe that was the issue for a little while in that game. Um, end of the day, they knew that I'm sure the players knew by with lion in there, having not played, it was not their best chance to win. I'm sure they knew that. So, End of the day, yeah, they kind of gave one back and said, "All right, now we got to, you know, do that much better." And now Bob probably plays the rest of the stretch. Like I don't think Bob gets a day off now. No, uh, not no. I don't think he'll be able to. I mean, Bob doesn't mind playing every day. Like he is. No, he doesn't. That was the point. And he, you know, I mean, I remember in Philly, like when he didn't play in Philly, he was on, even when he did play, he's always on the bike right after the game. He was a crazy workout fanatic. Like he is back to back. Is it back to back is an issue? The issue is injuries, right? With back to back, not yes. like necessarily, not necessarily the fact. I'm going to tell you this though. I covered when Mike Sullivan was coach of the Boston Bruins. It's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I interviewed Andrew Raycroft, and he had played like 16 games in a row, and he was just like, "It's fine, no big deal." Yeah, the, yeah. those days are over with, Russ. But I mean, but when you they need have to, to be, do they it, don't have to be, Mike. I mean, they really they don't want have to be. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay, Sergey Bobrovsky gets hurt last night playing second of back-to-back. Paul Maurice gets destroyed. When has he ever gotten hurt doing a back-to-back that you could point out? Well, that's because he doesn't do it. No, he has done it. What do you mean? Not, I mean, in recent in well, in years. There's only 10 games left here. It's like you're looking at the point, like, you know, where you got, you got to try. You making the playoffs for Florida is millions of dollars. I can't, I can't I'm, stress I'm, enough. Like, making the playoffs for Florida is millions of dollars. They, they I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at Florida's schedule right now, and yeah, next, next week they have the last back-to-back of the regular season, where they play at Toronto and at Montreal. They will play Alex Lyon against Montreal. They may not. <laughs> I wouldn't guarantee that. I, I wouldn't guarantee it either. But you know, I I, I do think that um, 
coaches now believe that you're better off. And this goes back to, if you remember the great season that Tuka Rask had when they made a concentrated effort um, to limit his games and how strong he looked in the postseason. And after that, teams have started. And now, you know, they talk about, um, you know, Billy Uso in Detroit um, had never played more than 42 games in his professional career, and they're trying to keep him at like 58 or 59. And, and so, you know, they're, they're, you know, working in the backup and all that kind of stuff. And so, and they're not even in the playoff. Hunt. So right. if they're doing that, you know, the teams that are in a playoff hunt are going to try, but you know, as I do agree with what Russ saying. If it comes down to, they got a chance to get in, they're going to play them back to back. Like if they, if the, like, if they, if it's that close, like they, they probably will do it. I don't think you'll do it very often, but I think, um, you know, depending on the situation, you know, you're going to have to do it, you know, just like you, you end up playing guys, crazy amounts of minutes yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, as well. So you, you, you don't want to do it on a regular basis, but I mean, it is nice to me. Look at the schedule, Mike, that they only have one back to back, like you said, I mean, right. they play, they, they go to, you know, they're in Toronto. So, I mean, they're, they're at the Rangers, their next game where they have actually dominated like that in the, it, it, over the last few years, Florida has taken part of the Rangers. There's a, this is a different kind of Rangers team. That's going to be a great game. Right. Um, you know, then they're at Ottawa. They, they, they've beaten 95% of the time over the last three years. Um, that doesn't mean anything either necessarily, but I'm just saying that they have, you know, then the, the, the Toronto, Montreal back-to-back. So they have one, two, three, four, four games in the next, well, starting tomorrow, four games in the next six, in those six nights. That's, that's, that's where you're going to have, you will, will they play Bob in Montreal game? It might depend on how they do in the other three. You know, I mean, but, Joe, Joe, at, at this point in the season with 12 games to go, I mean, every point counts, every point is valuable. Uh, and I, I get what Russ is saying. It's like, you know, they're in a tight, Florida's in a tight race for one of the two wild cards, but with as many games as they, as they played in a row, played Brofsky in a row because Spencer Knight is not available. They had to find a night off for him. And, you know, if you had to say, now you would hope that your team could suck it up against Philadelphia, one of the worst teams in the league. They weren't able to do it. Now and that that's on that's on the rest of the team. I don't know if that's on Alex Lyon. Well, there was a lot of, last night. I'm well, sorry, let, 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 no, yeah, I mean, yeah, you gotta you gotta get him a break, but I mean, you also have to get in the playoffs. Is the thing? Yeah, you know? and I mean, you you can't you can't just say, well, you know, you, you need to get him some time because you know we got playoffs to think about. It's like, no, you have playoffs to get into. So I mean, you got to get you got to get him in there. This is where you know it, you feel you feel bad about uh, Spencer Knight having the troubles he's had, uh, and he's not able to spell him because I mean I you know I'm with you, Eck. I like Alex Lyon too, but I don't yeah. need him in the spot. I need Bobrovsky to be the guy. And you know yeah, what? Sure. He's played what, 40. I'm looking at his, his numbers. He's played 47 games. They got like what 12, 11 games to go. He can handle. He can handle the load. I know it's back to backs, but yeah. geez, if you get in the playoffs, it doesn't matter anymore. Just There's one back to pain once you're in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, you are. Well, then this is the thing. I mean, it's not like, you know, you might as well get your money's worth for this guy. I mean, for crying out loud, you're, I mean, we all sit there and talk about what you're paying Bobrovsky, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 10 million point, a year should get you, should get you some back to back nights. He's not going to tell you he can't do it. And if the Florida Panthers, they are one of those teams that I said, I've said this before, that they making the playoffs, and I've talked to Bill Zito about this, making the playoffs to the Florida Panthers is very important. I mean, the money that they get for every gate that they get in the playoffs. Is enormously important for that franchise. That's money. That's getting Bob's money back, basically. Their way that you know Bob's going to pay them back by getting them into the playoffs, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Really- and and they'll give them practices off. And, yeah. You know that kind of stuff. They'll and try to do competitor. what they can. He's a competitor, Kevin, and you know he's the kind of guy that like you, you if you if I'm if I'm the coach, I take him in the room and I'm say, "There's a challenge, Bob. You're going to get us in the playoffs. It's up to you. You know, take us in." And he, he's the kind of guy that'll thrive on that. Like he'll be like, mm-hmm. "Okay." You know, I got this. I can. Uh, he'll be, and because I've I've talked to him, he's so intense. He's um, he's you know, he's just a great, intense guy. I've no, I have a question for Joe and um, and Kevin because my my issue here is this. So my Buzztron right is trying the, the, the one thing it doesn't take into account that is very difficult to take into account is when teams give up, <laughs> when teams just stop. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't always happen in the NHL because sometimes teams that are out of it manage to start right. winning, manage to start winning again because they're not playing for anything, but. How much have the Sabres given up? Uh, to me, they have not given up. The okay. results and the games look like they have. Uh, right. But this is, and I'm, you know, Granado and the players have have preached this after, you know, all these bad losses that they've had. 
and I I'm buying it. So maybe either either I'm a believer or I'm a sucker on this. But uh, but they but they've put this on. This is a young team getting their first taste of a playoff race and the pressure of a you know, 12 years out of the playoffs drought that it's all kind of falling on their shoulders. And they tr- right. try to put that stuff out of mind. But the second you give up a goal, yeah. it's like, oh, geez, oh, there we go. Know, and things snowball from there. And we've seen it happen the last one. She's, I look back to the Washington game. They're up 4-2 with 10 minutes to go. Right. And uh, what was it? Oshi, I think Oshi scored, made it 4-3. Then it's like, right. oh. And then everybody's everybody got tight. Everybody, you know, everybody's you know squeezing the squeezing the sticks and the sawdust, the whole thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's happened every game. You know, the Philly game, they look terrible, but same thing. Give up the first goal. It's like, oh, geez, there we go. Yeah. And then Boston, I mean, you know, this Boston's great, but beat, you know, putting seven on them twice, two yeah. games in a row against Buffalo. It doesn't happen. And then last night, I mean, geez, it's it's the same thing. You get down in a uh, four, well, four nothing hole, and Nashville. Yeah. Nashville's playing half. They got a half a roster that's been in Milwaukee this season. Yeah, like, no, you should be giving up seven. They're going hard, and I wanted to ask Kevin after this trade giving up. The um about giving up, I you know yeah. I feel about giving up the same way I do about tanking. Really, okay. like it's not something players do, but what I think happens is they become so demoralized by yeah, what's going on that it it just overwhelms them. Like. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the Red Wings like look like like they've surrendered, and uh, after yeah, their last right. after their last loss, uh, Andrew Cobb, who's very articulate, came out and said, "Now that's a misread." Like he said, "I can tell you, you know, I've been in the league whatever it is seven years," and uh, he said, "We're competing really hard." Like he said, "I'm kind of proud of hard but com- that yeah. we're competing. We just have to find a way to play more." inspirational hockey and lo and behold the next game they went a 3-2 shootout which was only their third win and yeah. you know I, I was kind of wondering whether you know he said something in the room because I, he seemed very sincere like he said our compete level is high but right. you know you could just tell they they're they're demoralized you know not is nothing's going right they they were in the playoffs for 24 hours like i think that's the <laughs> yeah. right. that's right like they were in the playoffs for 24 hours it was a game against the Rangers, right. and then since then they've slid and played just terrible hockey. And right. uh, you know, so I I do think I don't think they uh, it's not a conscious thing. I just yeah, think sure. you know it just snowballs. The Rangers are better, right? Joe, I think it's a it's a tough case for me to make, and I've been saying this for a while that you know the, the Sabers should have done something at the deadline to get a goaltender. When in the f- last four home games, they've given up the most goals in the history of the NHL in four games in a four game block at home. But that being said, I talked to Russ about this, and he sort of agree- he agreed with the point. You go back a few weeks, and one save gets made in one game, and they get more confidence out of that one game. You don't know what the road would be, and I did. I I know the reaction of a lot of Saber fans, and they're pissed off that this organization at least didn't try not not go out and get Demko or Gibson or somebody that's a long term commitment. You know, and we and Kevin and I talked about this. You know, before the issue with the. The Pride Night, a, a rhymer or somebody like that who was available for a draft pick. That's an upgrade over Comrie or Anderson or Lukanen. Well, I look at it this way, and I drew this comparison uh, in my post game write up last night. The, and I think I may have even said this last week on stream. The Sabres are in a similar spot to where I, I you know, Austin Matthews' rookie year Leafs were. Granted, that team made the playoffs; they were ninety-five right. point team. But they're also in the same spot the Devils were last year. Super young team, key injuries at, at key moments in the season, bad goaltending all around. I mean, Jonathan Bernier was their best goalie last season. He played 10 games and had a 902. Yeah. Everybody else was below 900. Right. Uh, but it's so many young guys, and there's so many guys. And they, they took beatings for two years. He sure and Hughes both. This team's going to grow from it, and they're, they're getting the same kind of bad goaltending. And, like, you know, listen, I, I know you could say go out and get a goalie, fix this, you know, but it's – you're putting tape over a leaky hole. I look at it. You know, it's it. it I look at some of these bat. You know, these these big blowout games, and I'm just seeing the defense just standing around. You know, uh, the second goal last night from Nashville. There is a view from the crowd that I that I found on Twitter. Somebody shooting video, and you can just see everybody in blue 
chasing the puck, following the puck. Duchesne right. makes a pass from the half wall, gets right. over to Tomasino on the other side. Nobody picks up Duchesne on the other side. One pass, and he's right there to, to bury it. Let me and ask you this question. Things like that where, you know, there's defensive lift. They were doing alley-oop passes for, like, the next 15 minutes over top right. of the defense, and guys were, were leaking in through, getting breakaways, two-on-ones. It was nuts. So, Let I mean, me ask you this. It's, so, it's, it's so many issues compounding each other. Okay. But goalie aside, I was, like, shocked that they got Jordan Greenway where they should have gotten a defenseman. If they got a defenseman with term, hey, you got that guy for next year, too. They still need defense. They do. They, I, they do. And they they addressed it to a degree with Riley Stillman. Tough guy. He's played. Okay. I know. I know. He's played okay. And, you know, he's – you know he's played. He's been playing on a pair with Labushkin, who's been very good of late. Uh, the last couple of months, he's been he's been very solid for what they need him to do. He's he's not going out scoring you know ten points you know ten points a week. He's just not going to do that. But he provides the physical presence. He plays plays a hard up hard up defense, and so that's kind of what Stillman does too. Stillman's also kind of the bouncer for for that group, and you know he felt he felt bad that he wasn't able to get at Trent Frederick sooner. Uh, in that game on Sunday, and he wasn't able to fight him. I mean, Dylan Cousins ends up doing that, and he took a pretty pretty stiff right from him. But, yeah. um, but I mean, it's you know with Greenway. I mean, I feel like Greenway came over. He was banged up already. You know, they're already they had him sit out uh, last night because you know, whatever injury he's got. Granado said it's something that that prevents him from playing the way we need him to play. There you go. So uh, you know, it, it's it's little things like that where it's just kind of like it's bad luck. Uh, it's you know bad luck of the bad times of the season, and you know things the, the moves they made they weren't going to make a blockbuster move at no. this deadline. It was just wasn't going to happen this summer. Different story. Next year, different story because next year playoffs it's playoffs or bust next year. Right. Well, Kevin, you wrote for Hockey Now about Gibson and the same yeah. I, I want to talk about that. Yeah, because I said to you like who you're going to get, right. um, and uh, lo and behold, this morning I got my answer, uh, and it came from an unlikely source. Uh, Dan Rosen is a, is a veteran hockey writer, but he writes for NHL.com, and they don't normally get into uh, trade speculation. That's not their thing. But he wrote, I thought, a very insightful piece um, about the situation with Gibson. And I know Mike has been on that bandwagon before. He, I, you know, I think it was more wishful thinking because Pat Verbeek was pretty adamant that he had not considered and wasn't considering um, you know, trading John Gibson and Gibson has said, I don't want to go anywhere. You know, he likes it out there and everything else. However, Rosen laid it out and I thought he laid it out in such a way that he's probably right on the money. And he just said, look, this summer at this point, it'd be time for the ducks to look at this. And I'm sure Verbeek will, because he's very thorough. He's comes from the Steve Eisenman school of, of, uh, managership. Uh, and, uh, he, I'm sure he will look at it this way. He's 29 now. He's got four years left. They're not going to be a factor within the realm of his contract or at the very end of it. He'll be 32 or 33. So right now he could fetch a real handsome return. Uh, and there happens to be two teams who would be desperate um, for Gibson. And, you know, that would be Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I think there would be almost a, a bidding war um, for him over that. So, you know, like it's it doesn't have to be this season that they trade him. And he's got to agree to it. He has a 10-team a no-trade list that he would have to submit. But I doubt Buffalo, which is close to Pennsylvania where he grew up, yeah. and Pittsburgh where he did grow up, neither would be on his, his list yeah. of teams that I don't want to go to. Yeah, um, that would be the question, yeah. though. And, and Mike and Joe could answer this. I think, and especially if he went in the deal, uh, with all the um, fanfare with Devin Levi, if all of a sudden Gibson comes, he's being blocked, or Levi's in the deal, I think fans would actually be upset initially at that. Yeah. Uh, maybe they would like Gibson over time, but they've kind of like really looked at Levi like, hey, he's our next guy, and now you might be making him either irrelevant or you're trading him. Joe, I can guarantee you Levi won't be in that deal. <laughs> he would not yeah, be. And I, and I don't think the Ducks would insist on it. Don't they have a young guy, Russell? Dostal's really close. He's close. Yeah, like I, I think they're they're okay in goal. I think they have would have their sights set on one of the scorers. Uh, yeah. You know, the scores. Now that's just a gut gut feeling. But, Levi, then. 
Yeah. So you kind of are, but he, I don't know. I, I keep, I have to keep going back to the comparisons that, you, that, you know, leave a guy in Levi's position coming out of college, right. you know, you're you'll have finite numbers of games playing in college. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, you know, it's, uh, it's Hellebuck. It's what Spencer Knight is. You're probably Spencer your Knight's another player. one Demko. Um, and then even going back to Miller because Levi put up the numbers that Miller did. Right. Um, so, and you know, go back to Miller and granted the, the lockout year kind of throws that up, up in the air, but Miller played two, basically two full seasons in right. the AHL yes. outside of the lockout season before yes. he, before he became a save. Now, maybe that lockout season, he goes to Buffalo right away. We don't right. know. It doesn't matter what, you know, history's history, but you know, Levi's played what 60, 60, whatever college games. We're gonna find out how he how he looks against pros when he you know once he gets some practices in him. I would bet anything he plays in the twenty seventh against Montreal. That's that's the date I've had circled right. um, forever. But I want to see what he looks like against pros. I want to see how that goes. I mean, we it's the only way to have a real good idea about yeah. it. No, but he should go to the AHL for a year. There's still gonna be like four more years on Gibson's I, I, contract. He, don't you think he's got him two years for us? I mean, maybe two, but even then, you still got. No, but but then you know he's Gibson's still an asset, and yeah. if it's time, you move him on. I mean, first of all, we know we know that uh, Levi is going to play a game to burn the first year of his ELC yeah. already burned because he yeah. signed. It's already right. yeah. So so but 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 Joe, I mean, from what I understand from all the reporting, the plan is he's not going to go after the season. He's going to stick with the Sabers the rest of the year, and then he's not going to go to Rochester yeah. at all. Nope. Oh, so there's an opportunity now. Maybe they don't want to put a kid fresh out of college in the Calder Cup playoff situation. But next year, I mean, if, if they go out and they trade for Gibson or trade for Demko or trade for a big goaltender and Lukanen doesn't go in that deal, Anderson probably retires. Eric Comrie is probably in Rochester because, uh, you know, or, or, you know, who knows what they'll do. Right. Levi, I think it, it makes complete sense for Levi to play often in the AHL and get work and, you know, and, you know, at the absolute worst or at the absolute best, he does a Carter Hart and maybe comes up in January or February. And, but honestly, a full year in the AHL does not hurt him. I think all it does no, is it, it won't hurt him, but it's still, you are putting a blockade in front of him. There's, and there's immense pressure. I mean, Levi's gotten circled got circled geez, after last season when he puts up a nine nine fifty two yeah, right. northeastern that's get everybody here's like sign him now get him in here now get yeah, it let's yeah, go yeah. and yeah. it's like guys yeah. pump the brakes you got like there's a pro it's different with goalies than it is with every other mm -hmm. position because you gotta because yeah. there's a process to it yeah there is it's it's almost silly to say on one hand well you don't want to throw him right into the AHL playoffs and then on the other hand say yeah and maybe he'll be ready by January to play in the NHL like, I mean, there's some silliness to that. Yeah, yeah. If it was me, I would say you're playing in Rochester the entire year and talk us, talk to us. Yeah, spring. Well, that's what I would do too, for, okay. for sure. Um, and you know, I don't know that he's the same level of the prospect, but you know, Steve Eisenman has already told Kosa like he started him out in the East Coast Hockey League. Right. Um, he's played a whole year there, and he's gotten better and better. Um, and then next year he'll go to Grand Rapids, and I think they've already told him, and you ain't coming up next year either. Um, right. And, and uh, you know, and then then the third year of pro, then we'll see where you're at. You know, so right. I, yeah, I think that I think that process was what it was going to be with Lukanen, but you know, goalie injuries in Buffalo, COVID, all that stuff kind of threw it aside. You know, threw it aside. He got injuries. You know, it's a battle right. with that too. I mean, it, it, there's so many things that can just get in the way of yeah. developing a goalie and uh, you know I, I just i just think i just think with levi and i've talked about this with lance on on maintenance day we've gone over we've talked about goalies ad nauseum all you know for a year and a half now but with levi i think he, they're gonna give him the opportunity to win a job in buffalo next season yeah it's gonna be there it's gonna be up to him to to show it in in camp and and go from there and if he's ready if he shows he's ready and he can handle all of it he'll be there i don't know if he'll be the number one but he'll be yeah. there uh, but I don't think you would feel bad about having him, you know, maybe split starts with Lukanen or Comrie or whatever. They're not going to do a three-headed goalie thing again. One of those guys will end up somewhere else. Yeah, I yeah, for sure. If, if Levi ascends to that role. It's a shame. It'll be goalie. 
but <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, I, Anderson I, might be an assistant coach, but at this point, a guy like Ottinger, who was a first round pick, who was a team USA goaltender at the world junior. Mm-hmm. He played parts of two seasons with Texas in the AHL. And he won a championship and, there. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so you, I mean, that development path and even even his partner in the 2018 world junior joe joe wall who got hurt a bunch of times mm-hmm. he's having a fantastic year in the ahl he's finally playing regularly at 24 years old he's only now being full fully formed i mean what i'm saying with levi is is like he has the ability of being a great goaltender if you don't rush him and this is the yeah. same playbook that i argued against with philadelphia and what apparently ron hextall argued against with Philadelphia and the reason he got fired was rushing Carter Hart. I think Carter Hart's a good goaltender. You don't know what the hell kind of goaltender he would have been had he stayed in the AHL for the full year and, and yeah. developed properly. Yeah. I, I, I just don't think, I don't, I don't think Buffalo is going to rush him. They haven't rushed anybody. Yeah. And if they were rushing people, Yuri Kulik would already be a Buffalo. You know, Jack Quinn yeah. would have been, Quinn and Paterka would have been up here last season, you know, yeah. halfway through the year. So I, no, I, I don't think a little desperate with the goaltending. Like you pointed out oh, yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's, but that's a, you know, that's a self-made problem. You know, they right. didn't address goaltending at all the last, I mean, they did sort of with. Well, you're already telling me if they don't get Gibson, they're, they're going to give Levi a chance to win the job next year. He shouldn't really have I'm that. I'm saying chance. they're going to win. He's going to, they're going to give him a chance to win a spot on the team. A spot. Not, not the spot. number one job. Okay. So, so, so. Yeah. See, I, boy, I, that's not a great plan. No, that isn't a great plan. No. I but you, don't want a 20, you don't want a 21-year-old playing 20 games as a backup with the Sabres. He played 60 right. games in the Rochester. I, I, th- I, think, I think if he winds up in, in Buffalo somehow, uh, and I think he would have to be beyond lights out to win it. Let right. me let me, let me me be straight on that. Putting okay. up a 9-10 in the preseason, that ain't going to do it. Right. Um, but if he does make it, that changes. I think that completely changes how you handle it because then he's it's a one A one B kind of thing because you need him to play games. You can't have him. You can't have him play twenty five games and say, "All right, we're good." <clears throat> Whoever you're bringing in to play the other what fifty five games, fifty seven games, it's got to be a number one. So then you're trading for one at that point. I, I think that's going to be hard on him too to be told that he's got a chance to win a job. Like I think you're better off to say, no matter how great you are, you're going to the HL and you're going to play a full season and you know, you can relax, you know, be, you know, it's too much pressure on a kid like that. I, I, you know, even a guy, Spencer Knight has not been everything that everyone hoped he would be. Um, yeah. And, and he felt a little rushed. Um, I think he did feel a little rushed. Yeah. Yeah. So, Darren Poopa played three full seasons. Bad too, like right, that. Joe? Even, even Darren Poopa played three full seasons in the AHL and I watched him play in college. You did too. He, he played four years in college, I believe. At RPI. Yeah. RPI. I had a bunch of injuries to goalies and they had only two for RPI. Yeah. Only two. Okay. Um, he played in the AHL. He did stay. They gave he did win a national championship though, Russ. Yeah. 1985. I think, um, you know, it's, it's ironic, like, you know, and I, I was talking to somebody today about this. Did you hear, Kevin, at all, that if they were, if the Sabres had talked to somebody about, had talked to um, Columbus about the uh, the Corpusella Gabber Cup trade? Because that actually is exactly what they needed, right? When you look at it. Yeah, like, that is what they needed. Look at a trade, like, that's like the player, you know, I couldn't get anybody yeah. else. Did. I don't know. What did that, end, what did they end up giving up for um, or getting a- for those two? Well, I mean, Quick went back the other way, but it, I think it was a one or a two. I think I'm pretty sure one. I think it was yeah. a one. I'm sure it was a one, but they would have to give up a one, which they're not going to obviously do right now. But yeah, I yeah, I don't think they were going to give up a that's one. That's interesting. That would, that would be that's exactly the kind of two kind of players they need the most. Um, looking at a poll um, that just came out on the, the least understood understood sports in hockey in in the in in the in America. Okay, it's kind of an interesting one. Um, on you know who how people admit like whether or not they understand it or kind of understand it the rules are confusing. Um, where do you think the NHL came up on this one? It was a one and a three in the deal. One and a three, okay. Right. Where do you think the NHL came up on this list of like ten? There are ten sports on here, so you have like obscure sports like volleyball, golf. Um, who made like- this list? Who made the list? Okay, so. The list no, who, who made it? The list. Who made the list? Who made the list? Who made the list? I'm sorry, I'm telling. You. The list is from um, it's from a website, YouGov. Okay, okay. and uh, the survey shows the co- correlation between popularity and rules understanding across all sports. There's no way that football and baseball are easier to understand than hockey, at least based on the rules. Do you think that's true or not? I don't know if that's necessarily true. Football and baseball are harder to understand or easier to understand. No, than they're hockey. easier. They're easier. Right, right, right. 
people still don't, my wife still doesn't understand icing. So well, they're very well. It's a big tripping line for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's offsides is tough. People are asked, you get to be very well, somewhat well, not sure, not very well, not at all. Um, so I think hockey is going to be like eighth worst. Right. So I'd say seventh. Yeah. The categories, the, the, the sports are football, baseball, basketball, tennis, soccer, volleyball, boxing, golf, hockey, and rugby. So I'd rugby's say rugby's last. Yeah. Rugby last. Okay. That is correct, Kevin. Rugby yeah. is last. Yeah, I knew yeah. that. So they're going to be they're going to be second to last night. Yeah. You're right. I'll say seven. They're, they're right. Right. second to last. Yeah. They're behind golf, boxing, volleyball, soccer, tennis, basketball, baseball, and football. Yeah, I mean, because a lot of those sports, like, people have played. You, I think you know, like, Yeah, and, and so um, that makes it, you know, when people play tennis, you play it in PE when you're in uh, high school and middle school. So you play soccer when you're a kid, you run right. So you sort of got a basic idea. But, you know, at least nationwide, uh, not a large percentage of people play hockey. So Golf rules are ridiculously easy, really. I, yeah. No, I have the advantage of being a professional street hockey and floor hockey player from my from my youth. So yes, I know. I, I know. Say, you. <laughs> I would say baseball is probably like fifth. Yeah, they were. I mean, I'll tell you this. It's really interesting. The, the um, so because they have so many rules. Yeah, they, they do. Have, they do have a lot of rules, you know. And um, sorry, I lost for a second, but I'll be right back to it. But yeah, <laughs> I think that it's pretty um. I think it's pretty fascinating because, I mean, I know to me, one of the best things about making hockey easier to understand was not having to explain to people the two line pass. <laughs> like <laughs> when I was, um, but uh, you know, when I used to take girls on dates, you know, to hockey games, which I would always do, you know, which was maybe the best move, you know, but I did take them on, take them to dates at the hockey games. You know, the one thing question would always come up is two line pass. And I remember one time my date saying, well, what if they pass it from over the blue line, their blue line to over the goal line? Is that a two line pass? Okay. And I'm like, uh, no. But they crossed two lines, you know, and it, so it was, it was very two line pass was always a tough one, you know. Um, but I think that with that, of all the rules, that was, was when it got me. When the, that they got rid of that, was there a battle at all about that, Kevin? When they got rid of the two line pass? Well, no, uh, because they were just so open to the rule reformation, right? You know, I mean, so like, it, like it's everyone woke up and said, "Let's do something really drastic," right. and they did, and it was it was good, you know. When you think back about it, it was just know. one of those rules. It's like, why didn't they get rid of that long before that? Yeah. You know, like, it, well, NHL has always been fearful of change. Like, I've said this yeah. before, but you know, you look in my lifetime how the other sports have been altered like incredibly by major yeah. rule changes. Like, you know, I remember the fight when they went to the three point shot in basketball and people just were outraged over this. Oh, and now God. like you can't even imagine basketball lowering <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. the mound um, in 69 yeah. uh, six, right. uh, season. Uh, you know, that was a big thing that, that well, I don't think the Dodgers have lowered the mound, but anyhow, the, yeah, yeah, the DH, you know, those kinds of things like those are major, major rule changes. And we're essentially, uh, playing the same game other than, you know, now we've taken out to two line pass, but well, I, I do think that the change yeah. in the offside rule, Joe, I mean, yeah. thankfully, I was just thinking right, of that too. Yeah. Right in the plane. Thank God, because it's, a, I think it's a lot easier now than it was. Yeah, the what was it? The uh, it was no tag up offside. Oh, yeah, right. Right. yeah the like that. Up, the, the tag up offsides. I remember before that existed, right? When you, oh, when, God, when, yeah. you, we all remember that. Well, we probably I don't know if you remember that. Delayed right? offside, tag up offside. Yeah, before there, was, before there was a delayed offside concept when it was just offside. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I forget how it worked. I know it was on some of the old video games. Like it's not that long ago. It's on the nineties games, and I'm like, geez, I. I struggle to remember what it was like because the way it is now is the, the only way it ever made sense to me. Yes. Yeah. The old way made zero sense. Yeah. It, 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 still just fine tuning the rules. Like we mm -hmm. haven't had, I mean, the other rule changes, you know, like football is a completely different game, you know, right. yeah. two hand touch for the quarterback, the goalposts right. are back. Basketball you know. is the same way too. When they got yeah. you know, a hand checking like that, that's yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's a I mean, lot most different. Rule changes have, have come against the goalies because the league hates goalies. I was right. just, they went scoring, and, and, and obviously the, the trapezoid behind yeah. the net is the dumbest rule. 
Now right. that Marty yeah. Brodeur has retired, let's go back and let, let the goalies have free reign. Trapezoid. Let's you know, that, uh, to make the stick shorter if they could. Right. They make the, you know, I mean, it's like. Right, exactly. My, my but, favorite thing about the goalie hate is that it all happened because they let the Devils get away with interfering with everything in the 90s. Yes. And then everybody copied it. And they're like, well, we got to do something about this. Well, the movies are all well, that's what made Marty Brodeur so good is the defenseman could hold up guys. Yeah. So you dump it in, Marty would have time to get the puck and mm -hmm. put it out because the, the defenseman could were putting sticks on guys and they were well, coming in. Let's make one they just never called interference you. ever. And it was like, yeah. what are we doing one, here? One suggestion <laughs> for the NHL. You have one guy that checks all the goalie equipment. Maybe get a second guy and let one guy do the east and yeah. one do the west. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of one of my favorite moments ever with Scotty Bowman. And uh, if, if you didn't know Scotty, you would think he was pulling your leg. But uh, I was doing a story on the neutral zone trap, and I went to talk to him. And he said to me, he said, Kevin, you, you, you know this, the, the trap is an offensive system. <laughs> what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says they were doing it in the fifties, but it's designed, he said, to create turnovers. Yeah, it's a counterattack. So for for a counterattack, it's a counterattack system. So I, I I don't even accept your premise that it's a defensive system. He said, that's not even left wing lock. Yeah, it's it sounds like it is like left wing lock. It sounds like it's cutting it down, but but the reality is like the Penguins basically played a version of that too. Recent, you know, when they were winning their Stanley Cups most recently, and the Devils played a decade of it. The decade Devils played a more of a trap trap, but that still was a, still was about countering. It was about frustrating the other team to the point where they got so frustrated they made mistakes and then yeah. you can attack them. Yeah, and then you're you you're immediately on the attack. I mean, that's what Scotty said. He said, if you do that successfully, it creates offense. Yeah, oh, it does all the time. And and if you've got great guys and if you got like the talent of so like Scotty ruined the article for you. See. Well, no, he didn't actually, because you know, obviously, I had a different angle than most people. But uh, there was another favorite. Uh, also, uh, it was an interview that uh, I, I will never forget. Ron Wilson. I tried to talk to him about the on trap. He goes, he goes, I'll talk to you. He goes, you guys, you guys always want to talk about trap. He says, I only talk to you if you can if you can diagram the neutral trap for me. And he handed me the coaching oh. thing, and and I got a pencil and I drew it up what I thought was the trap. He goes, ah, that's fairly close. All right, I'll talk about it. Ron <laughs> Wilson was always surly. He was always yeah. surly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was especially surly after after he tampered with the Sedins on Toronto radio. Well, he was fired on Christmas Day. Remember right. that? By his best friend. No, he got extended on Christmas Day, didn't he? No, he was extended on Christmas Day. Yeah, no, no, he was extended. No, he was extended. Because Burke was pulling, was uh, playing uh, playing stuff with the uh, Toronto media, so yeah. they had to work on Christmas Day. All right, so tonight, um, two big nice. games, two only two games, <laughs> go from like eighteen to last night, whatever, to two tonight. Um, Edmonton, Arizona, Edmonton, Arizona, Edmonton wins. Edmonton beats oh, Arizona. Arizona, never mind. But the Buzztron is go, Buzztron is not. You know, even though it is a non-thinking, feeling thing. You, so therefore, it doesn't matter that it went four and eight last night. It is going out on a limb tonight and saying Pittsburgh is going to win in Colorado. Wow! All right, this is a major game for the Pittsburgh Penguins in many ways. When you think about it, um, I mean McCarr may not play, but still, who might not play? McCarr. McCarr. Right, but it, uh, it, uh, yeah, Buzzron doesn't know that. One has an injury. <laughs> has an injury thing for guys when, it, when guys go on um, IR. There is there is a, there is a factor. There's something. Buzzron knows crap. <laughs> Buzz Trot knows when a guy's on IR, but yeah, this is um this is a game like the Penguins have been struggling; they've been falling back. But this is the kind of game Crosby against McKinnon. This is you can see this; you can see the Penguins winning tonight. You they really can stop can. the puck. I know, I know, I agree. But and it doesn't, it doesn't like. But this is one of those hockey logical the things. Problem. The Buzz, the Buzz Tron uses punch cards, which I learned about <laughs> in, in high school. <laughs> But but oh, also, yeah. Kale McCarr McCarr's not playing tonight. That's no right. No, wake up. We said that the TI. Oh, the, the, the bus I'm trying to use the use. I've been fighting on my internet, dude. Give me a break. I took. I took. Bus I took. Give anybody a break. I took one computer chip out of a TI thirty five, another out of an old speaking spell. The bus <laughs> built out of those two chips. Okay, so it's working pretty well. It's 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 coming along. You got to you got to change the nine volt battery every two days. But besides that, it's working good. Um, but yeah. And you know, guys, did you, did you ever notice that, you know, if you ever need an extra AAA battery, do you know the concept that if you take a 9-volt apart, there's two AAA batteries inside of it? I've never heard that. It's honestly the case. Like, if you go, really? if you take the take the top, you know, what a 9-volt battery looks like, obviously, right? 
If you yeah. take the top and the bottom off a nine volt battery, there's two triple A's in there. But I have to have a top. Put it's shorter. Well, you can use them. You can use shorter than two triple. It's shorter than the triple A battery. No, same thing. It's the same size. It's the same size. There's two AAA batteries inside a 9-volt battery. I'm going to do it when I get it from the dollar store. And you can use that. Yeah. It's a real vac 9 volts, you know. If I cut up a 9-volt battery and it's not two AAA batteries, you owe me 9 bucks. got it. I'm glad they did. If that's the case, Mike, you can never again say it's over for the Islanders this year. That's my bet for you. Wow. All right. Actual stakes. I like it. According to you asked me to check, I just did on the puck money or money puck, whichever it is, dot com. And uh, they've got the Islanders now as an 80% probability to make the playoffs. And the Florida, based on last night's loss, has fallen down to 73. And the Penguins now are at 42. So it has those two, Nikki and Florida. Penguins not making it. Yeah, that's correct. So, um, because it's always weird when there's three of them, or when those three teams were above fifty percent, which they were the other day. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but the uh, reality is, yeah, I mean, Florida's got, Florida's got Toronto three times. Dan B says you're wrong about it. He's got the voltage figured no, out. No, I've done it. You're wrong, Dan. I've done it. I'm serious. I've done it. I'm 100. I guarantee you that's the case. You can't make. It's hard to make a nine volt battery out of two AAA's though. Because you have you to, need to do it live on air and then show us how it powers the next device. All right. I'll do that. Look forward to that tomorrow on the show. Okay. I'll be taking apart a nine volt battery in front of you, putting it into my <laughs> my game of blip that I have here, my blip game, ladies, and we'll play. We'll play that. But are you gonna are you gonna lick it to test it? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, our, our, our base, because most um because most uh guitar cables, guitar boxes and stuff like that are made out, are used nine volt batteries. So that, you know he can't lick it and put the light bulb in his mouth like Uncle. No, but Captain Captain EO, who you guys all know well, was was notorious for if anybody on the stage had a nine volt, they weren't sure if they were ready to throw it to Captain Cap. They throw it to Eric. Eric licked this, and Eric was like, "Ah, that's good," and give it back to him. <laughs> I'm not shocked at that. That was yeah. a typical sound check for us. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey, and it's even that without the, with the buzz. Um, and um, we'll be back again tomorrow, and we'll talk to you then. Have a with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.